Welcome to the Ollie at WVU podcast, Get to Know Each Other. This is Michelle, and I'm your host for this episode. This month, we're talking to Steve Wetmore, Ollie member in Morgantown and former chair of the otolaryngology department at WVU. Steve and I talk about just what otolaryngology is, the outdoors, and his newfound love of watercolor painting. Thanks again to Steve for joining me, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this interview as much as I enjoyed recording it. Welcome, Steve, and thank you for joining me on the Ollie at WVU podcast, Get to Know Each Other. You uh, retired from the Department of Otolaryngology, which is a term I don't think a lot of people know. How would you describe to people what you did when you were a doctor? Okay, otolaryngology is just a fancy term for ear, nose, and throat physician. And I uh, was trained to do all aspects of ear, nose, and throat, but I specialized in being an ear surgeon. And I, I treated people with all kinds of ear problems, not just uh, things requiring surgery. I also saw a lot of people who were dizzy and people with balance problems, people with hearing loss, that sort of thing. So what kind of balance problems do people have from, from ear issues? Well, probably the most common thing is called the benign positional vertigo. This do little crystals in the inner ear that sometimes get displaced and cause people to be very dizzy when they roll over in bed. It usually only lasts for a few seconds, but it's really scary when you know things are spinning around. And it seems to occur every time you uh, turn over or do a particular movement. And the good thing about it is it's easily treated with some physical therapy. So it doesn't require getting CT scans or, every, or anything else. It just requires being seen and treated by a physician who understands what's going on. Yeah, so people were very grateful that, uh, you know, that I and physicians like me knew what was happening and could treat them appropriately and cure them. It's the most common cause of dizziness that we see, and uh, it just occurs. It occurs more commonly as people get older. We're not quite sure why it is. These little crystals in the inner ear tell people where they are in space. And when they get this lodged, they cause an abnormal sense of movement. You know, when you turn around, you feel like you're spinning because these crystals cause that. And the treatment consists of some physical therapy that removes the crystals from where they're causing symptoms to a place where they don't cause symptoms. How is it different from motion sickness? Uh, it's quite a bit different in that uh, motion sickness occurs when people uh, are traveling, such as in a car, and it's the distortion of their brain when with the movement and it's not motion sickness is is something that's usually lifelong it doesn't uh it isn't easily treated although medication can help the problem with crystals though it, the symptoms only last for a few seconds and goes and it goes away once you're treated as someone who occasionally suffers from mo motion sickness i was curious about that yeah motion sickness interestingly enough is often associated with migraine which, and migraine also causes people to be dizzy. It's one of the other more common causes of dizziness is migraine. And a lot of people don't realize that. And you can have dizziness from migraine and not have headaches. So it's something that's uh, been discovered only in the last decade or two. And this is also a treatable condition, a very common condition. That's actually really interesting. So, uh, yeah, I probably should give a course sometime on dizziness for Ollie. Yeah, that would I would that would be super interested in that. Yes, I've given courses on dizziness uh, around the country, so I am familiar with this and 
probably could put something together, huh? I'll have to think about that. Yes, please do. You said uh, in your brief bio, you came to Morgantown in 1988. So what made you stay even after you retired? Well, I really enjoy living in small college towns. I lived for four years in Iowa City, uh, doing uh, training to be an ear, nose and throat surgeon. I lived for eight years in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And now I've lived for 32 years in Morgantown. I really love the small town atmosphere, the uh, intellectual stimulation that you see in college towns. And I've really come to love West Virginia. So I have no plans of leaving. I'm going to be here forever because I already bought a, a, a cemetery plot. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be here for eternity. So you're doing yes. lots more outdoor things. Did you do this when you were younger? Or is that something that you picked up when you came to West Virginia? I, I know that you ski. What other kinds of outdoory things do you do? Well, I did. I have been doing a lot of skiing, especially until the last few years. I started skiing actually after the age of 40, just something that uh, I decided to do sort of stimulated by my wife at the time. She wanted to learn to ski too. So, you know, we skied at least two weeks out of the year, oh, until about five or six years ago and really enjoyed that. Uh, other outdoor activities, I really didn't do very much, but I've done a lot more since I've retired. Uh, always liked to walk, but now I've taken up hiking and I enjoy going to various state forests to do hiking. Also uh, recently, that is the summer, bought a bicycle hadn't really ridden the bicycle since I was a child. So I bought a bicycle and I've been doing bicycling, which is fun also. It took a little while to learn how to do it because I, I didn't know how to use the, uh, the uh, gears or anything like this. It's all a little new to me, but I learned. It's not that difficult to learn. So I do enjoy the outdoors. I try to walk every day, walk a few miles around my neighborhood or just hiking in the woods. So do you normally go to Cooper's Rock to hike or what areas do you like to walk around besides your neighborhood? Yeah, I do like Cooper's Rock and, and uh, that's probably the most common uh, site that I go hiking. But I've been to some of the other uh, local forests and, and even uh, here in White Park and other places around Morgantown. So do, does that mean you uh, cross-country ski at Cooper's Rock? Have you done any of that since winter, since we finally have snow up there? Actually, I have never done uh, cross-country skiing. I've only done downhill skiing, and mainly you've done that in Colorado. Um, although I have skied a little bit uh, here in the, in the east, it's, the, the trails are a lot shorter and icier. So we usually went out west for a couple of weeks in the winter, and uh, really enjoyed skiing in Colorado, downhill skiing. But I haven't done that for about the last oh, four or five years since I had my hip replaced. I'm just a little leery. I, I, can, I can understand that. So are you interested in learning how to, to cross-country ski or that's just not your kind of thing? I wouldn't mind doing that. Uh, I think if I had a friend who was interested in doing that, and I have some lady friends who are interested. So, you know, if they show some... Uh, definite interest, uh, I'll be willing to learn. That's cool. We were at Cooper's Rock on Saturday and there were a ton of cross-country skiers out there. A couple of snowshoers and then a couple of people who mistakenly thought they could hike in knee-deep snow. Yes, actually I bought some snowshoes a few months ago and even though I haven't been uh, at Cooper's Rock to use them, 
my uh, house is uh, on a, a big hill. And several times uh, this winter, I've been uh, walking up and down the, uh, uh, the neighborhood around my house with the snowshoes. It's, uh, it's quite a bit of work. It's exhausting. I imagine uh, cross-country skiing is similar, a lot of work. So what other hobbies have you uh, taken up since you retired? I know you said you're doing lots of different stuff now. Well, I've always been interested in reading for pleasure, but when I was working, I just didn't have much time to do that. The only time I had to read novels was when we went to Aruba for two or three weeks a year. But now that I've retired, I'm reading a lot more and I really enjoy it. I have a huge library. I have thousands of books and I have to admit it wasn't mainly books that I bought, but my wife was an avid reader also. And so I really have lots and lots of books to read. I'm well on the book club. But the other thing that I've taken up that's actually new since retirement is watercolor painting. And that's really been a lot of fun. I take classes over uh, at the Morgantown Art Association. I go up once a week and, and also sometimes, you know, I do things at home. I have a, a couple of workbooks on watercolor painting. And it's a whole lot of fun. I realize that I'm never going to be really good at it. In fact, among the people in my class, I'm probably the worst painter, but then again, I'm not competing with anybody. It's fun just to do it myself and I can see improvement in what I'm doing. So I, I really enjoy that. That's a thing that a lot of people tend to get confused, I think, about their hobbies is that they think they have to be excellent at it. And I think with a hobby, the only thing you really need is just to have it make you happy. I agree. And that's how I felt about uh, skiing also. You know, as, as I started skiing when I was relatively old, uh, you know, I, I got better as I went along and, and I could do a few uh, difficult trails, but I usually skied on moderate trails. And I, and I usually actually skied by myself. My wife didn't like skiing with me because she felt self-conscious. And so we'd go off skiing alone. And it was actually fine because it's sort of you against the mountain. You know, you don't have to compete against somebody else. And, you know, it's, and, you know they're different styles. I like the, uh, the, the bumps and so forth. She liked the fast downhill. So it worked out well. We would get together at lunch and afterwards and uh, uh, enjoyed each other's company, but skiing was something we did separately. So going back to, did you do any art stuff when you were younger or is this what, what if you didn't, what made you start doing watercolor after you retired? Well, the only art, uh, uh, training that I ever had was probably more than 30 years ago when I lived in uh, Little Rock. My wife and I took a course from the uh, Art Institute one summer and I, I learned how to, to paint oils, but I only did that, you know, for a few months and I never did that again and I never did watercolor. And so coming here to uh, Morgantown, I thought, gee, you know, I'd like to continue after retirement, continue to be involved in art. And so this seemed like a a good way and so I'm learning how to do the watercolor so it's, it's a lot of fun. What draws you to, to painting in general versus other kinds of art like music or writing or photography or anything like that? Well I, I had done photography in the past also uh, I did have you know have my own dark room and all that that was fun but now with digital photography it's uh, it's a lot different you don't have to go through all the hassles of uh, printing your own uh, pictures uh, but I, I think it's the, 
the challenge, the originality, the creativity that's associated with, uh, with art. And it's, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, music, for example, is something that I'm, I just know nothing about and I can't carry a tune. So it just doesn't seem a good fit for me. I just, uh, uh, it's not that I'm not good at it. I just don't know how to do that. And I've no, no great interest in doing that. But the art has always been uh, an interest. In fact, I've been before the pandemic uh, learning to be a docent at the art museum. And that was a lot of fun too. Oh, cool. Learned more about art and, and met other people who were interested in, in art. So that was a good experience. I'm looking forward to continuing that once the pandemic is over. So what kind of things do you like to portray? I guess I think of watercolors as being like oceans and landscapes and stuff like that. I know nothing about art. So I tend to think of oil painting as more like, you know, portraits and pictures of people and things like that. What do you like to portray when you're painting? Well, I like the watercolor because uh, as opposed to uh, oils, which take a long time and, you know, you have to be fairly precise. With watercolor, you can put the colors out there and they sort of mix and match and, and sometimes produce results you aren't even expecting. And you can manipulate the, uh, the canvas. Uh, as far as what I've been doing, it really varies a lot in class, but I've also been doing landscapes, seascapes, mountains. And in fact, uh, at class last week, we did portraits. And the way we did it is that uh, our instructor had us bring a portrait and I brought a portrait of my oldest daughter. And then we uh, uh, made a, a black and white image of it and then painted it in black and white. So uh, I, I learned how to, how to you know, put her hair and her lips and her nose and everything else uh, on, the, on the canvas. So it was a lot of fun and it, it turned out fairly good. She liked it, I sent a copy of it to my daughter. And what else have you done to try and keep your sanity during the pandemic? Well, certainly uh, the Ollie classes have been great. I've, I've been taking a lot of Ollie classes. The thing that I miss during the pandemic is traveling. I've done a lot of traveling in my life. And unfortunately, uh, the, the pandemic has precluded travels. Uh, I used to uh, go to Aruba uh, a couple of times a year where I have a timeshare. I've been there many times. And in the past five years, I've traveled to Italy a couple of times, been to Spain, uh, Morocco, Ireland, Germany, Alaska. And unfortunately, with the pandemic, uh, it's prevented me from, from doing this. And that's something I really look forward to continuing after I retire. Hopefully this summer, things will open up, we'll see. So what do you like best about traveling? I think it's all the new things that you see. You know, I was traveling with one uh, companion who's, who didn't want to go to all these churches. Said, you know, one church is just like another church, but I didn't feel that way. I mean, it, everyone was unique and different and uh, sort of exciting. And to see all these uh, buildings and uh, natural, uh, uh, natural structures that uh, around the world. It's really very stimulating, intellectually stimulating. Plus, you see the culture and uh, you enjoy the foreign foods. I really enjoyed eating all of the various foods. Uh, uh, when I was uh, in Morocco, uh, we ate camel. And I'll tell you, it doesn't taste like chicken. <laughs> 
and I have no desire to eat it again, but uh, you know, it's fun to, uh, to do things like this. So I hope, hopefully we'll continue once the pandemic is over, we'll see. I think when I travel, I like to just see how the world looks different versus talking to people because every place, even I've noticed even in West Virginia, like even if you go on a hike, just the difference between, you know, as you go up the mountain or go down the mountain, how the landscape changes just fascinates me. But yeah, I think all that is very, all that is very stimulating. I agree. And I've been to lots of other places too. And actually years ago, I was to Israel and, and Egypt. And it's so exciting, you know, to see these structures that are two, three, 4,000 years old, uh, you know, like the pyramids. And then to, uh, you know, to put my feet in the Sea of Galilee and know that other people have done that like Jesus, it just, you know, blows my mind. But it's really a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I've been to lots of different countries, including uh, Russia, I've been to India several times, uh, Korea, Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, to China, um, lots of countries in Europe. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very stimulating. So where haven't you been that you want to go if you've been to all those places? Well, I haven't been to Japan and I haven't been to Australia and I also want to go to Portugal. I haven't been there yet. So there, there's still a bunch of countries that uh, uh, I'd like to visit. Plus, I haven't really done a whole lot of traveling in the U.S. I haven't been to many of the uh, national, national parks. I've not been to Yellowstone, for example. So I want to do that. Pretty, it's pretty fascinating. Where besides Yellowstone do you want to go in the U.S.? Well, I want to go uh, back to the Southwest. I haven't seen very much of that, although I did go to the Grand Canyon about three years ago. It was in winter when I was at a medical meeting in Phoenix, and we went, uh, you know, on an excursion to the Grand Canyon. It was in uh, January, and it was it was in the '60s in Phoenix. And when we got to the Grand Canyon, about it was about a foot of snow on the ground. And it, you know, we couldn't do a whole lot of traveling uh, around the Grand Canyon because it was during one of these government shutdowns and the uh, walkways weren't cleared. And it was, uh, you know, even though it was open, there wasn't, uh, uh, they didn't have all the people around it to, to shepherd us around. But it, it was a lot of fun. It was so dramatic. I mean, it's, it's incredible to, to uh, see the natural beauty of the Grand Canyon. But we didn't, we didn't hike into it. What you said you have a huge library. What kind of books do you like to read and what have you been reading recently? Well, I have a number of authors that I really enjoy. I, I, I sort of like uh, like police stories, uh, mysteries and so forth. For example, I like uh, Sarah Paretsky who uh, writes about a, a female uh, private detective in Chicago, a bunch of stories about uh, her. I like John Sanford who writes about, uh, primarily about uh, 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 a detective in, uh, the, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and uh, Patricia Cornwell, who writes about the uh, uh, medical examiner, female medical examiner, a lot of good stories about her. Uh, John, uh, let's see, Pat Conroy, Pat mm -hmm. Conroy some really good uh, good writing by him. My One of my current favorites is Daniel Silva, who writes about uh, 
uh, Gabriel Alon, who is uh, uh, a secret agent for the uh, uh, Israeli intelligence and all the things he does. He's a, uh, an assassin for the Israelis, so a lot of good stories there. And I like Ken Follett, mm -hmm. who writes about historical books. So that, that's just some of them. Uh, I have, as I say, thousands of books, and unfortunately, I uh, don't even read a lot of them. I, I get books from the library, and I belong to a book club, so I buy books. So I have lots and lots of books. My wife used to really enjoy travel books, so I have thousands, literally thousands of travel books that eventually maybe I'll look at. We'll see. So if anybody in the audience wants uh, some books to read, I'd be happy to, to loan them books. I got lots of them. I have you know, probably 30 or 40 bookshelves worth bookcases worth. Now, if you had uh, overheard uh, Long and I talking, I introduced her to uh, Donna Leone, who uh, writes a detective series, but it's set in Venice. So you get all your police pr procedural stuff and your mysteries, but also the city itself is as much of a character as Brunetti. But Donna Leone is is really, really good. You know, even her even her mediocre books are still fascinating. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm always looking for new authors. So I'll, I'll look for for her books. That's great. If you if you like her, there's another um, there's another police procedural set in Sicily. Um, Andrea Camilleri, he died two years ago, but he was I want to think he was 90. So he still has some new books coming out because they're being translated. It's very, very different because it's the author was Sicilian, so it's translated into English. And the view that you get of the world is really, really different. And it's if you like food, every single book has multiple, like lovingly described meals that the main character eats. It's really Andrea wonderful. Capillary. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll look for him too. No, and I enjoy, uh, I enjoy food. And in fact, that's another sort of a hobby is uh, cooking. I enjoy doing my own cooking. I never did that before. Uh, you know, when I was married, uh, my wife always did the cooking and didn't want me in the kitchen. But uh, now, uh, uh, as a widower, I enjoy, enjoy cooking. It's a lot of fun. It's, you can uh, have some creativity in the kitchen. So it's, uh, plus you get to eat it. Is there any particular kind of cooking that you like? Because obviously in Northern West Virginia, there's a ton of Italians around here. And so that tends to be my favorite having grown up here is trying to recreate Italian things. Is there any particular kind of food that you like to make or just everything? Uh, pretty much everything. Although I did learn how to make several Italian dishes because uh, my uh, previous girlfriend was, uh, uh, married to an Italian, and she learned how to uh, cook really well Italian food. So I, uh, I, I've learned a little bit about cooking Italian, but you know, I like everything. I've tried to learn some baking, and uh, it, it's fun too. I love baking because it's both art and science in a way. You know, you have to get the leaveners right, or it's going to fail terribly. But there's still so much you can play with, with, you know, your, your flavorings and things like that. I love to bake. It's just happy. 
I agree. Yeah. And again, I, I really enjoy eating the all the foods that I make. Uh, <laughs> and I, I used to uh, buy canned soup, but I stopped doing that and just make my own soup. It's so much better. And it's super easy. There are so many things that when I was little, I thought would be difficult to make. And they're like, oh, well, this is simple. I just put it on the stove and walk away. Yeah, it's amazing how easy it is to make things like soup. And it, as you say, it, it doesn't matter really what you put in. You can put pretty much everything and anything in there and it'll, it'll taste better than what comes out of a can. One last question for you. What is your tip for making the world a better place? Because we all need a lot of that right now. You know, I, I think that if we get to know people, uh, if you you know, have person-to-person -person contact, you will become friends. Uh, and, and not, you know, I, I'm concerned about the politics in this country where, you know, people are bad-mouthed by other people. But if you start getting to know people, you know, especially people who are different from you, you'll see that you do have a lots in common, uh, even though you may have different national origin, different colors and so forth. But I think just getting to know people is an important uh, aspect of getting along well in the world. So I'm looking forward to the end of the pandemic and to uh, more interaction. So I, I think social interaction is a good thing and hopefully we'll uh, not have to be so far apart, uh, literally in the future. Well, I, I am looking forward to actually seeing people in person when we get back to Ollie classes. So is there anything you'd like to add before we close out here? Uh, not really. Uh, I, I think it's uh, good getting to know people and uh, I appreciate your interviewing me and hopefully, uh, you know, this will be some food for thought for other people. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me for this. This has been a lot of fun and I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you again, Steve. And thank you, Michelle. Have a great day. Thanks again to Steve for joining me and thank you for listening. If you would like to join us on this podcast, or if you know an Ollie member we should interview, please reach out to us at ollie at hsc.wvu.edu. That's O-L-L-I at hsc.wvu.edu. Until next time, take good care and be kind to those around you and yourself.